energy comes down upon us when we're sending up that beacon and somewhere it meets. And that's where I believe that the spirit energy is coming into us as we push these things out. You know, once again, we have to make an effort. We have to make it happen, but we can make it happen. Mysterious World, with your host, Stuart Palm. Join us as we connect across time and space, exploring the mysteries of our world and your world. Welcome to Mysterious World. This is Stuart Palm, and Happy New Year. I know I'm a little late to the table saying Happy New Year, but this is the first show for 2016, which actually I recorded the interview in uh, in December, early December of 2015, so it took me a while to get this one out, but for good reason. A few things to talk about off the top of my head, uh, off the top of the bat here, top of the bat. That's a new one. Uh, one... Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars came out, and I went and saw it twice. I saw it once in the regular theater and then once in the IMAX, and actually don't feel like I needed to have seen it in the IMAX, uh, but seeing it twice was good because you notice a lot of things that you don't notice the first time, and uh, you get to see it again after seeing all, reading all of the things about special little Easter eggs and things. If you're a nerd with film, um, I'm sure many of you probably are. I enjoyed that movie. I enjoyed that flick. I enjoy that um, world of imagination. I enjoy the Star Wars universe, except for the uh, <clears throat> the first three episodes. They're just, you know what I mean. Um, but I'm glad for the trajectory that J.J. Uh, Abrams is going on, and I'm glad for his concepts of mystery. Uh, if you haven't seen the J.J. Abrams TED Talk, where he talks about the mystery box that he bought from Tannen's Magic, go watch that. He says some very profound um, things about the identity of mystery, um, and he has played them out very well in Star Wars. And if you reflect on it, that's what has uh, always been the power of Star Wars is these things that come to be and the mysteries of the unknown. And uh, and basically, it's the saga of the force. Which for me has always been a great metaphor. The idea of an all-powerful force that connects all life is a great thing. Because that's my... Uh, falls into what has become my own belief system and my own understanding of um, energy and, and, and the spiritual side of things. Which I won't go into too much because I'm not here to uh, to do that. I'm here to talk about mystery in general. Um Another big thing that is on the it's it's on the consciousness of the planet, especially on the filtered view that I get through Facebook for the people I know is the death of David Bowie. There is a powerful man, uh, a genius in terms of art and an inspiration he's also followed uh, and 
made use of mystery very well throughout his career with these different personas and and with the way he uses language and his study into the occult. If you haven't uh, looked into the actual words of his songs and read into what he was talking about, uh, go do it because there's a lot going on, especially in in certain albums. In the early Hunky Dory album with the, the song Quicksand, especially. Um, and, and especially in the newest album, which he knew what he was doing. He knew he was dying and, and this was his, uh, this was his requiem. This was his death album and it is beautiful. And it was a strange moment for me. Um, the morning, uh, here in Hong Kong, which would have been the evening when he died, I decided, Oh, I need to buy the new Bowie album. And I, I bought a bought it on iTunes and I started to listen to it and uh, went about my day. I taught some classes at a school and uh, my way back, the Facebook posts started to hit and everyone started to uh, share their sadness on the passing of David Bowie, an amazing man. He could have been Sir David Bowie, but he turned it down. He didn't have the feel the need for such titles. Um, but really, I, I, it's, it's surprising to me how many people who may not even have been the biggest David Bowie fans have been posting that they are crying, that they've been posting about tears being shed. And um, it's very moving. There's a lot of people talking about sadness. But the thing for me that um, I want to remind people is that he knew what he was doing. He'd said his goodbyes. He's had an amazing life. He was happy. Although, you know, a lot of the themes of his songs are are dealing with the miseries of life. He was a very fulfilled person as far as I understand it. And to be able to create that last album and time things so well and then leave the planet, uh, he did it with style. And so I applaud and celebrate the man. He was and will always be an amazing force um, of art and music. If you don't have uh, Hunky Dory, go get that. Go get any of his albums. They're all very good. Uh, For me, I was very pivotal character in my life. Um, when I was a kid, the movie Labyrinth came out and he was the Goblin King Jareth. And, um, I loved that character. I loved, um, the, the, the juggling that was in it. That was Michael, Michael motions hands. Um, I love Henson. All of those things were, were just captivating for my imagination. The mystery there was very strong. Um, and I had a chance at one point to meet with Brian Henson, who was very, uh, pivotal in that film. Brian Henson, um, is the son of Jim Henson and, uh, sounds like Kermit when he talks. Um, I was working on a project trying to get Labyrinth, uh, to be made into a musical. We were actually doing this about maybe 12 years ago maybe 10 years ago. Um, and I got to pitch the idea to Brian Henson and his team and sit in front of him. And it was an extremely powerful time for me because I learned that I could do that, uh, pitch to people that were important to, to my mind and, and everything sort of 
were, was left well, except that we were kind of waiting on a word for David Bowie. He he never, I guess, decided whether or not he wanted to do a musical out of that. But I hope someday that they decide to go forward on making something else out of the labyrinth world, because it's a great world. It's a great place to be. But I also remember when I was a kid, and uh, I, I was familiar with David Bowie from... MTV, and I was familiar with David Bowie from Labyrinth, but the Ziggy Stardust character and the Thin White Duke, those came before me. Those were in the 70s. And I was, I distinctly remember now even being in the car and talking to my mom about something to do with, um, gender identity and creativity and experimental music and she said something about Ziggy Stardust oh like Ziggy Stardust and I didn't know what that was and that was the uh, epiphany for me of, of this character and this idea of a gender-neutral sort of divine space-age character. It was amazing to me. It was eye-opening, and uh, I think I learned a lot about performance from watching that film, and I learned a lot about inspiring through mystery from watching how he carried himself. But this isn't a podcast about David Bowie. This is a podcast about mystery in general. And I could sit here and chat about all these sorts of things for a long time, but I won't do that because we have a great interview for you today from the amazing John Stetson, America's master mentalist. Uh, John is a good friend. John is a mentor of mine. Uh, I first saw John Stetson at Monday Night Magic in New York City, and uh, I was instantly impressed because he can carry a crowd like no other he uh just connects immediately and he's funny and i'd seen people perform mentalism badly before um and when i say perform mentalism badly it's not that it didn't work it's that they were dry and slow and bored people and that's what people worry about when they think about mentalism this is not a possibility when you watch John Stetson. John is hilarious and he can entertain you uh, just telling any story. He's he's great in this, this interview as well. Um, I had to work hard when I first started performing mentalism to not be aping John, to not be on stage saying John's lines to situations because I had seen him so many times and, and so uh, intently studied how his work was structured and, and how he uh, connected with his audience that it was in the back of my head. I understood how John might handle a situation that I would be in on stage. And it's, it's a, a natural thing to just sort of... Blah, open your mouth and those same words come out, but those are John's words. But that's how much of an impact that he had on me, that it was hard for me in the beginning 
to not try to mimic him, which is a touchy thing to do because, um, you don't want to rip somebody off. You don't want to rip another entertainer, another performer off, even though it really is flattery. As they say, mimicry is the sincerest form. Um, I'm rambling and I'm sorry for that. I need to bring you into this interview uh, where you can listen to John ramble, uh, but it's brilliant rambling. Uh, he, he really, um, he knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. He knows people. He loves people. A couple of things before we jump in there, though. Um, first of all, when you start this interview, when you start listening to it, there are a couple little moments in the beginning where we had a bad connection, where things are a bit choppy, and I did my my best at uh, fixing them uh, and, and taking out the worst parts. But know that as it goes along, and they aren't that bad, but you'll hear it like a chop chop in the very beginning. Um, we figured out the source and got him closer to his wireless uh, router and, and, you know, got everything going well. So it, it gets better um, audio quality as it goes. Um, also, I, <laughs> in the early episodes of Mysterious World, if you listen through to the end, we offer a contest and only one person who ended up being a guest on the show ever responded to the contest and sent in a story. Um, but I, it's still open. I'm not going to say it. we didn't ever use it, so please uh, join the contest. The contest is very simple. It is to write us a message either on the Mysterious Podcast page, which is um, mysteriousworldpodcast.com. Uh, there's lots of comment areas. You can put a message in there. You can send us an email at mysteriousworldpodcast.com at gmail.com or you can go to facebook and uh drop a message on the mysterious world um facebook page and just give us a story of a mystery from your life that's it it can be anything any story of mystery from your life so you saw a ufo or your friend is uh, uh some hair from bigfoot anything uh ghost stories are great if you have a ghost story awesome and if I get, you know, five of them, we pick the best two and they win a prize. Uh, one of the prizes will be a Gnostic playing cards decks. Uh, uh, it's a deck I designed and uh, it's a beautiful thing. And the other prize <laughs> is a pendulum from Pablo Amira, which I hope is still uh, a valid offering considering he's not uh, doing the show currently. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. So please write us your story of mystery. And now... Please listen to my interview with the amazing John Stetson. in your mind what is mentalism like what how does it exist you know i used to be able to answer that question <laughs> I, I now get that. it is 
so far across the board. Um, and uh, just people get a hold of Wikipedia and um, and we'll create a definition. And for example, like the term shut eye. Yeah. Um, and they've completely they've they've made it something else. And it's uh, and it's now uh, gospel. Um, and you have to be very careful in this day and age, because do you remember the original ending for the the the, uh, the classic story of the emperor's new clothes? What happens? What's the ending? OK, no, the, well, the ending was, you know, the king's parading around naked and the little boy points out the fact that the emperor has no clothes on. Right. You know, it was spun from those expensive visible thread. But the original ending was after the little boy told the truth that the uh, the people of the village killed him. The boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, good. And that's what happened. That's what happens to uh, to truth tellers. <laughs> you know the village kills them so is um what i like to say these days is i know very little about anything and less than that i know nothing or more than that i know nothing um i am a great proponent of just doing what you do and letting people fill in the blanks and, right. and 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 color it. It's uh, rather than coming in with a uh, with a definition. Now, since some of my work, um, well, a great deal of my work is for corporations, I would have an an elevator pitch, as they say, based on gee, what is it you do? Very little of it has to do with what I actually do. It has to do with how the people are going to feel. Um having them go to an experience that they've had before, you know, have you ever been to a, to a place uh, or seen a program or, or a speech where you just really feel compelled to go home and tell your friends that it was great and you had, you had laughs and it was actually uplifting at the same time. Well, that's the kind of thing that I provide because I, you know, that type of a thing. Right. Um, and, the, and so anytime I'm called into, into definition, that is the way I, I explain it. You know, part of it has to do with business, but a great part of it has to do with just how people are these days. You have to color the whole picture for them and you have to do it very, very quickly. Yeah. So even if they say, what is the difference between a mentalist and a magician? I'll go in or, a, or a anything, you know, or an astrologer. What's the difference between a mentalist and a psychic? What's the difference between, uh, you know, or, or what do you do? I take it. I take it in that direction. Right. And I think people are a little more satisfied. And and it also uh, allows me to kind of see see their reaction. And then I can elaborate a little bit more. Yeah. So rather than just having the pat set, um, well, it's, uh, you know, and because I hear so much of it. And, you know, in the old days, we were we were saying how, how mentalism had has a, uh, a little bit of a. A stain on it from being boring to watch. Well, look at you know it's it, it's the guy or the gal doing it who's the one who's boring. Sure. Um, the mentalism is fine, you know. Uh, I loved I love dogs. My dog is extremely happy here. Um, <laughs> other people have dogs, and I don't know if that's exactly the case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> it has to do with the way I treat him. He runs this place. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's that uh, it's that type of stuff that 
Well, one of the <laughs> the things that I see you uh, you post a lot um, and you seem to do all the time now are the uh, ladies psychic parties, which. Oh, yes. Every yes, time yes, I yes. see it, I'm like, that looks awesome. You know, here's the here's the great thing for for me um, in in general. I've uh, I, I almost feel like I'm in three bands. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's the only way I think I think I could really describe it, and more people would understand it. Um, I do uh, from straight lace. As a matter of fact, really the comedy band. Yep. I- I lost you again a second. Hold on. He's gone. Okay. I'm here now. Oh, it's the Wi-Fi. Okay. Oh. I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming uh, I'm here. it's the Wi-Fi. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. I, I I hear you back now. So go ahead all right then i shan't move from this spot (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's you know i say it's like it's like being uh you know in three bands because my my corporate presentations are are uh, a comedy based but yet uh, a lot of them are uh are keynote speeches Mm -hmm. where they uh where they're looking you know they're looking for particular uh, things, and and they need content. They need content that they can take home with them, and it's amazing how much of that content just sort of evolved as I evolved. Right. Um, and so, you know, it goes it, it, from the corporate th- thing it can, in itself. It can kind of go from soup to nuts. And then, if I'm doing, uh, you know, a dinner theater, public venue kind of thing, um, it's a somewhat different show. You know, mm-hmm. or in a, in a theater, and and the ladies only is, um, you know, is is a whole, whole other uh, direction, right? And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and at the same time, we should say it's at this point the whole thing is you know trademarked and all this kind of stuff because uh, I had to, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, it basically is the tradition for people who may not be familiar with uh, the great Alexander. Yeah. Started the ladies only. Um, in his case, it was really a ladies only matinee for his show. And I'm going to guess 1904 is me as I believe mm-hmm. when he may have done the, you know, the first of, of these. And as you and I were discussing before, there was a great, uh, there was a, Great difference between uh, magic and mentalism. Yeah. Um, and he really uh, did both in his programs mm-hmm. um, because it was more about Alexander. Right. It was Alexander, man, who knows people. And people would say, well, well, what is he? You know, he's Alexander. He's the man who knows. <laughs> That's a, and then, answers that question. <laughs> yeah, and, and then they'd see these beautiful uh, posters. The same way it was for all the the circuses and the Wild West shows and the magic shows. They had these beautiful. This was their only way of advertising, really. That and and uh, and newspapers mm-hmm. uh, was the only way that people would want to go see these shows. But you know, you're looking in, a, especially in a small town. Uh, there was a also the great mentalist Newman, who was a friend of Alexander's. Now mm-hmm. he didn't do ladies only, as far as I know, but he chose to work the the small towns of America, 
and his annual trip was just, I mean, it was sold out immediately for the two or three days that he'd be there. Um, he was, a, you know, he was a mentalist and hypnotist, mesmerist. He was, fantastic. you know, all reports is he was just fantastic. But yeah. once again, it's the man that they talk about. Alexander was what six four six five. He was a very tall guy, and he would wear his turban and his uh, and his flowing robes, and he would speak with a bit of an Irish accent. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) As I say, he was much like John Shaft, a a complicated man. Right, Um, and uh, of course, he was a bit of a a rogue and a raconteur and those stories about him allegedly um, having killed people in self-defense. Of course. Um, as well, a, a marvelous uh, incident where his brother, who did the act, I'm getting back, it's just the way I am, you know this. Yes, I do. Um, I love it, actually. His brother, his, his, his brother was an attorney. Maybe it's, uh-huh. uh, maybe it's just the world not wanting us to discuss Alexander. Attorneys here, <laughs> uh, um, and as uh, you know, we uh, many of us know he was great friends with Arthur Pantages, who had the greatest the theaters, theater yeah. chain in America, um, and still the uh, the uh, Pantages Theater is a prominent theater in Los Angeles, right next door to my downtown office, the Frolic Room, which is a story for another day, um, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, it was convenient that he had once again allegedly saved his life years before. Alexander had saved Pantages' life in Alaska, and uh, he was a bit beholden, <laughs> as you think one would be. So right. he played the theaters happily and freely. Well, into the picture comes uh, the devil. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe Kennedy, <laughs> um, who uh, I believe sold his soul to Satan and uh, the rest of the family paid for it. But that's what's that's neither here nor there. I don't know this part of the story. Well, you just look at the Kennedys in general. Um, no, no, I mean this part of the Alexander story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, old man Kennedy decided I want those theaters because I'm making these movies with Gloria Swanson, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's big in the movie business, right? And so Pantages wouldn't sell to uh, you know bootlegger Kennedy, and uh, so Kennedy had him set up with a 15 year old girl. Oh no. Yeah. And, um, you know, big scandal photos, the whole thing all went down. And the attorney that got him, you know, <laughs> you know, that the, I was hesitant to say got him off. But um, <laughs> the attorney <laughs> was Alexander's brother. Right. Yeah. So Alexander saves the day again. But, you know, you come to these shows, getting back to looking at those beautiful posters and whatnot. Mm hmm. And you'd say, oh, hey, I've got to go in there. I've got to see this. And then he's doing uh, the question and answer act mm-hmm. as the second part of the show. And it, it truly was the most popular um, part of his of his programs. Uh, people just loved it. And especially women, because in my estimation, he was the original Oprah. Oh, <laughs> wow. Think of it. Yeah, think that makes it. sense. Think about but there were not radio phone-in shows because there weren't radios and most homes didn't have telephones. <laughs> you know, never mind television and internet and everything else that we have. Uh, where could a quote-unquote respectable woman go 
for answers to her questions and things that are that are that are that are deep inside her heart and mm-hmm. and, and what have you. Um, so he would answer these questions, and it was so popular that women uh, would just fill the place. And there were some days where he had to do two women's shows, one at like 10 in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then his normal program in the evening. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he did incredible, incredible business. But let's look forward to today uh, in, in, in such regard, not that Alexander was talking to the dead, but um, in how someone like John Edward can fill a theater. Sure. And uh, uh, and a lot of the, uh, you know, if not mediums, uh, conventional mediums, you know, the self-help uh, people. Things. Exactly. I, I do know that, that Alexander was very good at keeping correspondence with everybody and, and sending them booklets and oh, know, yes. self-help based stuff from his era. I'd love to get my hands on one of those. Well, there, there are pieces around, um, you know, there was the crystal silence league, mm. which was, a you know, an organization that you, uh, you joined, um, he, he, uh, that was all about, uh, crystal balls and, 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 uh, he, he healing, you know, mm-hmm. world healing and, mm-hmm. and, and as crazy as some people might be, you know, sort of shaking their heads about it. It's like, no, there was, there actually was, uh, was some good in there. And, yeah. you know, I have, uh, I have no problem with someone going for, uh, going for psychic readings. Uh, I, I think more people should do it. <laughs> I agree. I think, I think that the problem with psychic readings today is not enough people are having them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for and for anyone who just wants a big uh, wants the big the big rule of thumb, and I and I've never seen anyone say this before, is just uh, avoid neon. There you go. Yeah, because if you if there's neon, the chances are really really good it's a gypsy. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I have some gypsy blood in me way back, um, but the uh, I mean it's funny because you can actually gain some insight going into one of these places, but there it's, you know, they've got their, their scripts and their things. And, um, you know how uh, the gypsy thing of reading a palm is, uh, one palm is for the past and one pan uh, hand is for the future. Sure. Well, that bits basically is because they want to be paid twice. <laughs> of course. Dream come through for a gypsy is someone with three hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised they didn't start reading your feet as well. I, there was some of that going on from what I understand. Uh, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I've, I've seen the possibility of, of reading every uh, part of a human body in some way. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've, I have a copy of the Biba on my shelf uh-huh. and, um, and the mad doctor, Jeremy Weiss is actually, uh, um, <laughs> who's a great guy from Seattle, Washington. I love, I love Jeremy, but he is, <laughs> He has brought reading to a place where nobody thought it would ever go. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, but it does. He, I'm sure he has an audience for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for sure. Um, and, and in the uh, the, the ladies only, um, the idea of doing them, the, the first thing was I, I got to really experiment mm-hmm. and, and really take things out and go one way another i i've spent uh, as 
some people uh, know a great deal of time with the the legendary character of Doc Hilford, who I still <laughs> consider to be one of my closest friends. And we had adventures. You know, we went uh, we went on the road and kind of lived that life for a bit. Mm-hmm. We went to Lilydale and things. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it was all part of education. Yeah. Um, I all wanted to. I wanted to see what uh, I could do, what I couldn't do, and then put it through my own my own filter. Uh, where is too far for me? Mm-hmm. Where is too far? And uh, I, may have, I may have gone a little, a little a little too far on occasion, but in in life and anything, it's like if you never cross that line, you never know where that line is. Yeah. So. I'm uh, I'm in a in a good place because from venues from comedy clubs to um, spiritualist churches, right? And there was I was reading on uh, reading listening to the podcast, and something came up about you know spiritualist churches and uh, about you know it's, you know how well it's still a religion for some people. It is much bigger than that. Oh yeah. There are, especially in the UK, I mean, gosh, you can't, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting one. Um, they are, uh, they're, they, I mean, they're small, most of them, um, but they are, they are everywhere. Um, so, you know, sometimes when you be doing this in a, say, a, in a comedy club or a restaurant, uh, they would approach it for a different reason that it's, it's just a girl's dynamic and have some wine or or but 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 you know with my friends and have some laughs, um, mm-hmm. and there are some there were seeking some very serious guidance, mm-hmm. and I love all that. So many, I mean, we get ages, and people come back time and time again. And in one evening, uh, I recall we had four generations come in. That's great. One of the nicest things I get to spend a little bit of time with uh, Doctor Dyer, mm-hmm. who would passed away this year unfortunately mm-hmm. very interesting guy and uh i love what he he was you know he was kind of a johnny appleseed as far as i'm concerned you know taking the dow and translating it so for, you know for lack of another term midwestern housewives could understand and accept it right you know it wasn't something you know uh flowing robes and bongos and stuff and <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would uh, intimidate uh, or or just you know alienate um, everybody. So the nicest things that have been said about this uh, about the ladies only is that where it is now is like they go he's like Wayne Dyer with a crystal ball, <laughs> and I was uh, I was delighted and and uh, made to feel rather humble in that in that sense when uh, when when doing this program so i basically i asked them all to just come with i said you know we don't have we don't have rules we have traditions <laughs> and traditions are simply this we come with an open mind an open heart and mutual respect for everyone else in the room because many people have come here for different things and yeah. uh and and the whole thing about it is uh i'll i'll mention the amount of emails that i get from people who say you know i didn't know why i was there or I didn't know the question I wanted to ask until I heard and, – and I heard my answer to questions in through other people. 
Hmm. So I say, so be a voyeur, live through everybody else in the room while they're, uh, well, you know, if I'm speaking to them directly, just sort of pretend I'm speaking to you. Yeah. And you're going to get so much more out of the evening. And it does sort of, how should I put it, circle the wagons and bring the different uh, fractions in the room closer <laughs> closer together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then when things start to, you know, start to rock and roll a little bit, that happens naturally. One of the coolest things, the, the Catch a Rising Star clubs uh, in New Jersey, there's been a guy who's been doing sound there for um, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like 35 years, something like this, you nice. know, off and on he's been there. And so when we, when we do the programs in that room, it's so funny. He turns to me and goes, I got to tell you something. He goes, I'm going to say 90% of these broads come out of this room feeling 100% better than when they walked in. <laughs> he goes, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, that's, and that's a that's, that's awesome. a, a guy who has certainly has the right to be uh, jaded, you know, through everything that he sure. has seen in life and in general, and the darkness and neg- negativity that goes along with comedy rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, even from you know when I used to work them on a regular basis, I know we're talking about when Max Maven was working them on a regular basis, and he was uh, very very successful. But you know, you think about it. We were, you know, all comedy comes from pain. Uh, hmm. the, the neurosis. You show me a normal comic. I can't. I don't. I can't. I can't think of one. <laughs> nope. But then again, what's normal? Um, but it's it's taking your your life. It's taking your pain. It's taking uh, your entire situation and and uh, opening yourself up to people on stage. And uh, unfortunately, I have great. Uh, I'm very much afraid about the future of comedy in the sense where I don't know if you've heard these things that Jerry Seinfeld has been, uh, he made a, had a little bit of a manifesto about doing colleges on, on uh, doing college shows and how young people have no sense of humor. Um, And it's because of the, the political correctness and the, and the non bullying stuff and, and, and blah, 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 blah. It's rather a bold statement, but I was even hearing guys uh, like Dave Attell, uh, the other day speaking about how, you know, it's just easier to change all my stuff than to deal with all the bullshit, mm. you know, and here's a guy who you'd figure would be like a guy like David tell, you know, he would, you know, he, <laughs> we're not exactly talking Lenny Bruce, but you know no. what I mean? It's like, whoa. And he's doing that. And, and that club owners are afraid of offending people now. It was funny. I, I used to see David tell when I lived in New York quite often. Oh, because uh, and this is like 2001 to 2004, uh, because he would come to the bar I worked at. Oh, he, he always had a handler, which was a relatively sober compared to him. Uh, attractive young thing <laughs> apologizing <laughs> for anything he said. It was a riot. It was, oh my and it was always about ready to close time and he would wander in with somebody else with him and he was hilarious on a, mm. on a drunk. It was always on a drunk. And I, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think he is the person he was then now. Uh, exactly. 
but uh, I, I think I got something special. <laughs> I think you did. I, I think you did. And um, I, I think he was, uh, I shouldn't say was, because I have not seen him in years. But yeah. uh, when I saw him perform, it was great. I thought it was a yeah. great comic. Um, yeah. In tune with his times. He was, you know, he was fast. He was funny. It was, uh, he was very, very good. Very, very good. And here's everybody questioning that. Yeah. So I was... Um, you know, the, the things I was just going to say is, so it, those comedy rooms were such dark places back mm-hmm. in those days with everybody basically just being cruel to everybody. It's like uh, the the meaner we could be, the better it was. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very, very dark. And, you know, for someone who's as, you know, concerned with energies as I am, it's, it's amazing that, uh, let's just say I went to the desert, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And I played the game. You know, guilty as charged. Um, and I'm just very fortunate to have uh, have come out of it and be doing all the things that I do. And and I enjoy them uh, so much. And uh, and the ladies thing, like I say, it's a big it's a big part of it. I don't know if it's my acoustic band or not, but <laughs> but um, but, you know, I certainly get to do and say virtually anything I I want in, in that performance. And I have. Well, I, I, I can totally understand it. And I, and I think, um, my, my own taking on hypnotherapy is a similar mm. life mm. choice as to, as to what you're doing. And, and because I do, uh, corporate shows, not, not like you do, uh, in, in frequency, but I do corporate shows. And sometimes you put your soul out there and you just see them looking back at you. <laughs> And you're like, I, some of them are with me. Where, where yep. the other minds sometimes are just not, it's like they're dead. It's like a light bulb's burned out in there. And I want to, yeah. I want to get it lit again. And it's some, it's a, it's a struggle. And there's sort of a, I don't know. There's a sadness to the corporate room. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, but I think it's a question of understanding uh, understanding the beasts and playing them accordingly. Sure. Uh, I was, there was a company, uh, it was actually several companies where I've emceed their, uh, their, their meetings, mm-hmm. you know, or facilitate them. I, I guess it's some like to say, um, and you know, you go back year after year and it was interesting when you'd be working with, you know, the quote unquote celebrities, Mm-hmm. Um, there was one guy who'd been on Saturday Night Live longer than anyone ever has. That way they can look him up if they want to know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I welcome him and he's like, hey, I said, gee, would you, uh, you want to know anything about the group? No. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so can, I, can I answer any questions for you? Because I just know him. I've, I've lived amongst them for a few years. No, I'm good. Okay, fine. His opening line, and this is like for the uh, a supplier for the IGA supermarkets. You know, you can't get any more mom and pop than this. <laughs> and his first question is, hey, so how many of you are Democrats and how many of you are Republicans? Oh, no. That was his opening. And and just prior to him going on, they honored a woman who, who, in her 80s whose husband had just passed, who'd been with the group for years and years. About 20 minutes into this thing, he's in a shouting match with her. Oh, you know, I was expecting, I was like, oh my God, what's, you know, this poor woman, she, she might die. And then, you know, of course, okay, that wasn't my thought. My thought was, what am I going to do when she dies? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and I've, and I've, I've had people carried out of, 
programs that I was doing, you know, people had, and, and, and people, you know, it's so, it's just so funny how uh, people are, people are people, you know, you find someone yeah. who's incapacitated or being carried out of your show and the rest of the people just say, Oh, okay, well let's, okay, let's do the rest now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the herd's thinned. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are, people are amazing. It's wow. a never ending study. And that's why this work that we do, um, to me, it's so fascinating. Sure. The, I, I, it took me a long time to understand how to deal with the overly cynical folks who just want to make everything into a joke. Yes. And speaking of cynical folks, cynical mm. folks would think right now that that was a beautiful segue by you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I had, uh, I trademarked something a few years ago and I really plan on doing something with this. And uh, as I say, I am a recovering cynic. Mm. And cynicism, I mean, cynicism is a very, very interesting thing because it, we, we're always right. Yeah. We're, we're never wrong. Nobody can hurt us. We're, we're, we're bulletproof. Um, we're not, uh, we're not challenged. You know, we can take any challenge and make it disappear. Um, you could tell I'm working on the manifesto, yep. but the, but the problem is this, it's like, it's also like a breastplate that you wear. Yeah. Medieval armor. You're wearing this breastplate. And as long as you're wearing the plate, you know, love cannot go out or come in through mm -hmm. that plate. And you're always going to lack a certain dimension in your life and you're never going to be able to, uh, to develop. And you're in that, you're in that rut. Yeah. Um, as I tell people, you know, when it comes to uh, just a crazy illogical person or situation, um, I still have that club in my bag if I need to play that hole. Yeah. Um, because I've been those places and I, I can deal with it if need be. I just don't want to. You know, I don't want to. It's the way of the, you know, the way of the 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 gentle warrior, like the way of the samurai. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> that's really what we should adopt if we're out there doing any of this stuff for people. People should study samurai. Yeah, in my, well, in, my in my estimation, uh, um, I, I have witnessed a moment of true connection and wonder break mm -hmm. break through that plate. Yes. Where it's like he was so expecting that everything was going to be crap and fall apart. And then when it didn't and, and it was exactly what he needed to hear, it turned him around and, and opened him up some, you know, I, it is possible. But is it worth the time for everybody else? <laughs> is the question. Yeah, that is that is the question. Um but it's amazing what can happen in, in uh, I was in a situation once and it was mostly men all crammed into this tiny wine cellar. And, uh, there was somebody who uh, would not necessarily follow my instructor or did something intentionally to try to, uh, overturn the apple cart. Mm -hmm. Okay. But there was another guy there and I'm thinking to myself, I should not think this way. I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah, I just and and part of that comes from the old thing of, you know, with with 
you know, I, I, it's more associated with comedy than with any kind of mystery entertainment or, or psychic work or what have you. But uh, notice that one guy who didn't stand up. Yeah. That one guy who didn't applaud. Yeah. And we, and we don't realize that, uh, the guy may not have been ambulatory. The guy didn't have, you know, the guy didn't have any legs or the guy right. has Bell's palsy or, you know, and, and, he, and his face looks like that for a reason. And, you know, or his mom died that day. Yeah. <laughs> all of these things. And we, and we just try It's so, it's so all about us. Yeah. Instead of, uh, and, and especially, you know, I know where, where you come from in the sense of, uh, of your, your entertainment styles and the things that you want to do and the things that you want to do for people, the experiences you want to provide. And that's one of the reasons that you and I have always been friends. I saw that right in the very beginning before, I don't even think you were doing much performing at that point in time, Yeah. but I saw it and I felt it and I said, yeah, this is, you know, Yeah. So it's just been it's been delightful for me to see how you have uh, you've just grown into your into your everything. And uh, I love it when you will tell me about a lesson that you learned for two reasons. One, because maybe now I'll learn that lesson through you. Or I think about when I learned that lesson myself and, and, and what a what a breakthrough. Thanks, it man. was. And and as we had uh, spoken before, uh, before we uh, we pushed the on the air button here, that mm. doing this kind of thing is truly a lifestyle. It is. It, it's it's not meant to be a hobby. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> well, hobby. In the, you know what? I'm going to even go back to say, you know, certain people who are hobbyists are far more sincere than a lot of people who are, quote, unquote, professionals. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, well, I would it, even go so far as to say that it's a calling in the same way mm. that a priest has a calling. And there's it. And, and I know that that uh, that goes into territory that people get uncomfortable about. But um, I, it's it's because once you go and devote yourself to it, you're you're not going to go back. You're there. <laughs> Well, first of all, you're never going to be the same person. No, which is fabulous. Sure, which is which is fabulous. I remember the great quote from uh, Ray Kroc, the McDonald's guy. Yeah, he said, "When you're green, you grow. When you're ripe, you rot." <laughs> I feel every single day when I wake up that I'm just starting. Yeah. I I, tr- I truly feel that way, and it's it's sometimes tough when when you know people speak to you as as uh, you know they assume they are your peer, right? Um, you know, and and it's it's even the same way you look at a, a priest if say someone who's you know deacon of the church starts to talk to him, well you know well you know you're not exactly made the, con- the commitment that I have. To- I'm happy to speak because I can learn from everybody. Um, it's just, ooh, it's uh, it's a very it's a very tough uh, it's a very tough thing sometimes, and it's yeah. next to impossible to uh, to explain. Uh, and as I think I said to you too, it's like you know, it's either, it's like either being a it's like being a Baptist. Are you in or you out? That's the thing well, I like. I love about Baptists. If you go to a tribal culture, there's a reason that the shaman lives over the hill alone. 
<laughs> no truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, I think I think we're we're I think we're really sorting a lot of things out here, and this is really good. Yeah, I'm feeling good too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I yeah. want to know from your personal story, um, mm-hmm. what what experiences have you had that were not experiences that were necessarily although this can get into a metaphysical conversation of how how much we create our experiences but not necessarily an experience you created as in a, it was created through your own show but an experience where you were you had that moment that was like oh well that I can't explain that that just happened and I don't know mm-hmm. well uh, yeah, yeah. Th- there were a ton of things that have that have, that have happened. Um, there are also, when we speak of creating experience, mm-hmm. there are several things that uh, that were have been created by uh, audience members mm-hmm. uh, or as statements that they'll make after the fact. That if you could imagine uh, one of these, how should I put it? You know. Uh, there are, you know, there are real magicians in the world, and some of them actually are, you know, do uh, the performance of magic. Right. <laughs> I consider I consider Patrick Martin to be uh, a, a real magician and uh, and and a gentleman. And one of his mentors was someone who I had spent some uh, some time with, um, not nearly as much as I would have liked, and that was Ormond McGill. Hmm. Um. And you talk about people who have, you know, lived the life and had a great, uh, you know, and still had a great balance. I'm not saying we all have to be hermits and, you know, <laughs> and whatnot. Um, I think that uh, many of the great spiritual leaders, um, okay, for sake for sake of argument here, if they did exist, and I think you know, I'm in a particular camp of, of miracles. Mm-hmm. Einstein said. You know, two ways to look at life. One that everything's a miracle, one that nothing's a miracle. I like to be in the miracle camp because for a long time I wasn't. And I find life is much more fun and much more interesting. And I'm much more open to new new experiences. And you talk about someone creating an experience. Um, There was someone who comes – who would come over to me uh, after, you know, one of these more, you know, self-helpy uh you know spiritual um for the ladies only for whatever you want to call it you know that mm-hmm. that side of things maybe you know yep. where where a man who'd been ill and had all these strokes and things like this very wealthy guy turns to me and says you know you've you've made me believe in god once again that's and great i'm, I'm and I'm hesitant to say things like this because the average, you know, I mean, if someone's saying this, it could be so ego based and driven. It's just the opposite. It's the most humbling thing and it hits you over the head. People say, hey, I didn't know, I didn't have the courage to leave my husband who was, you know, abusive, who was, you know, beating me um, uh, until I, until, you know, I went to your, your program. Now, at the same time, the show's a lot of laughs. And the thing I was going to say about the spiritual leaders, I bet there were a riot. Yeah. I think that I, I don't see Max von Sundau, you know, uh, bless him, uh, 
the Max von Sundau Jesus, I, I think Jesus would have been a guy who would who would have laughed and had fun and 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 had this great charisma. Yeah, I mean, he, he turned water into wine and hung out with hookers. He couldn't have been bad. Yeah, he's my kind of guy. <laughs> you know, where was he on that Saturday night when I needed him? But <laughs> but these things these things come with it, and and with these things come great responsibility. Sure, is is the whole thing. Um. I had this is a this is a a dark story. I had a a, a magician, you know, a stage magician, mm-hmm. call me once out of the blue and said, uh, "I understand that you um, this woman's only thing that you do that sometimes people cry." And I go, "Yeah," and he goes. Can you teach me how to make women cry? Wow. And, uh, step on their toe. Yeah. Kick him. You know, uh, yeah. It's like, yikes. And I, I basically, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) paraphrased, uh, Christopher Walken in, uh, true romance. And I say, you know, this is about as good as this conversation is going to (laughs) get. Um, and, it, and his whole thing is like he just want you know it's it's power, yeah. And it's in it and it's power for them. Or as Eric Mead and I said at one time, power for the powerless. Yeah. That and and to me, this is all an abuse of 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 what you've been given. It's also it's such a sad thing to uh, to 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 sell yourself so damned short. Uh, in, in or just to toy with someone's emotions. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. That 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 you know. I have nothing. Whoa. That is that is huge. And and when you're um, doing any kind of a a consultation or something, um, I very much believe in, that it that so much of it is a uh, a mini motivational exercise. Sure. Where do they truly get personalized motivation in their life? You know, we can talk about all the negative aspects of uh, of their of their life, um, and there's and there's a particular uh, dynamic. Uh, once again, I'm getting back to your question. <laughs> in, that is that that uh, is a, for a lot of the the uh, the women who attend, and it's um, they've had kind of a linear life in the sense where, okay, they went to school, they went to college, they got in the workforce, they got married, they had kids, they kind of stopped working a little bit. They, you know, there's a lot of people who follow that pattern. And then the kids get a little bit older and they get to, you know, they're, you know, starting turn 40 something and go, whoa, wait, where, what, what now? And uh, like, oh, I know, like spirituality. Yeah, and all this stuff, and then that straight line turns into a T because they end up at what I call the metaphysical buffet, and much like on a cruise ship, they're they're walking down this this buffet and they're piling. Oh, oh, I love Reiki. I adore that. Oh, hypnosis is so interesting. Oh, look at you know, I love the angels. Oh, you know, and so now they're piling up their plate with all this stuff and then they get back and they go okay now what do we do with it what do we do with any of it 
that's that I have a condition for that. I call it purple haze. Mm-hmm. I think it's when your I think it's when your third eye is just clouded by everything. Mm-hmm. So you need to dump your plate. You need to squeegee that third eye and uh, and just go back to it. It's fun because there's so many. I, I in everything there's just kind of evil, and there are people who you just look and you go, wow. They uh, no wonder people hate us. <laughs> you know, you know. I was. Uh, um, you talk about a, a moment of 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 of, of surreal moment. I was uh, going to see a friend of mine who was in the Adams Family. Film was on Broadway. Uh, see the hand. And, yeah. Oh no, it wasn't the hand. No, okay. no, no, no. That was the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, but I'm walking from uh, a hotel where I think you, where you and I had. Uh, had been together at different times. That was the Lowe's where we used to do the Feinstein yep. show over yep, yep, there. Yep. And um, so I'm walking down to uh, Times Square and it's just the energy. It's just weird. It's just, there's something I'm feeling it. It's like, wow, wow. And I had not felt that way till the time I went to the amazing meeting. Uh-huh. I was out to dinner before the amazing meeting because I had to go see a friend of mine doing a presentation. I said I would. Yep. And uh, and Eric Mead was with me. But I was having dinner with two people you know, uh, Bob Kohler and Bob Sheets, nice. who have a great spiritual life. And they knew where I was going, and they went, no thanks. Yeah. And then I got to this amazing meeting thing where there were so many people who were brilliant, you know, mathematicians and authors and stuff. I got hit in the solar plexus so bad. All of my energy was just drained by this friggin' negativity of the of the skeptic movement, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the thing that I don't like about the skeptic movement more than anything else is uh, they want to take everything away from us, yeah, and leave us with nothing. Yeah, you know, if you wanted to take everything away and leave us with something, okay, I, I, I'll listen to your proposition. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not really down with this. So that was a, an incredible moment for me that I cannot describe. Um, getting back to the New York thing, I'm walking out and I'm getting and I'm feeling something is weird. And then I'm noticing streets are, you know, a couple of little street blocked off. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's Times Square. It could be anything. You know, they're shooting stuff down there all the time and yeah. and what have you. So it was weird in the theater. The show started a few minutes late. In intermission, they wouldn't let us out. Well, this was the night where it was in, I believe, in May of of a few years ago, where they found a car parked at Times Square, and there right. was a bomb, and you know that whole there was yep. a bombing incident, and all this was going on, and you're going, oh, you know, all this stuff, and then. You know, Times Square itself is as much as I love New York, I, I loathe Times Square. Um, <laughs> in, in the sense where when we did, you know, the show was over. I'm walking out. It's typical Times Square revelry. Um, first, it's it's like you know. Now I don't know that there's a bomb going on, but yeah. I do now see that there's police, there's National Guard, there's barriers, there's fire people, and there's sirens. Yep. And then I'm looking at the faces of all the people who are just like zombies walking around. And first I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, it's like, you know, it's it is like Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, and, the, and no one will get out of your way. There are kids like 
you know, well-dressed kids throwing up in the street because there's a gassed. Um, the Jose Cuervo bus drives by and three people had their bare ass sticking out the window. Whoa. And I did not know what was, and I just don't, I just knew once again, I said, I got to get out of here. Right. I have to get out of here. And I had no idea what was going on. So I got back to the hotel and I really was, was ill. You know, it just hit once again, solar plexus, man, my energy just, just like someone removed it <laughs> and, hmm. um, and the CNBC is on and I'm learning what was going on there. And bless this guy who was a commentator. I don't know, you know, because this is not exactly a, a uh, network uh, behavior, but someone said, so what are the people like down there? You know, my, my way of thinking was like, it was like, remember Pinocchio when the little boys were turning into donkeys? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that yeah. in my, in my eyes. But he said, well, just before the, uh, we went on the air, a woman uh, asked me what was going on. And I apprised her of the situation. And the next question she asked was, do you know where the Red Lobster is? <laughs> And and at that point I went, oh my God, we are the infidel. I hate us. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You know, I'm like, oh my God. No what oh and uh so I, I think there's a whole uh, concept of of psychic protection. <laughs> that we can put on ourselves around ourselves. Sure. I don't mean like the, I don't mean like that breastplate of cynicism. In, in humanity's um, defense, that was Times Square. <laughs> yes, no, 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 yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and I do take that caveat. And I and I'm not joining any organizations I can't pronounce. Yeah. Uh, so don't worry. <laughs> it's just that night I go, wow, I I can really see how, you know, if this is what we're shown to someplace, I I could see how people would just loathe. Yeah. Um, you know, America. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. Wow. Wow. I, it really made me, made me understand. And isn't, you know, understanding is the key to so much of it. And I think it begins and ends with us, with our understanding ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and when you're free with you, with, with yourself and you don't have the fears, um, it, it, it makes you a better person. It makes you a better, you know, a better performer. Uh, it makes you a better communicator. Uh, it, it, there's just so much uh, other things, you know, uh, I, I, I think that there are signs that are sent to us all the time. Yeah. How and where they're from. I don't know. I don't see the return address on them, yeah. but I see them happening. And I also just see people ignoring them. Sure, and you know the that the, the the joke about the the guy in the flood. I don't know this joke. It, it's been there's a guy in a flood, or someone said a guy in a rowboat. Whatever. It's been this joke is you know, 150 years old, but uh, the, the, the fellows in the house and in 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 is flooding, and and they send the first like the all terrain vehicle. You know, come can get out of here because no 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 God's gonna. God's going to save me. Oh yes, and you know then the boat and then the helicopter and finally you know he, he meets God and he goes you know all my faith he goes well what do you want I sent a car I sent a boat and I <laughs> right. sent a helicopter. Um, <laughs> it's not that uh, it's not that different. Yeah. No, it's not that different. <laughs> uh, I've I've seen things you know and um, I do believe I saw my dead father once in a very weird 
way. Um, and it was during a performance where I couldn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the other hand, I have very serious uh, questions about conventional mediumship and why you have to pay $300 and sit in the hall of 700 people to have your mother talk to you. Um, most people, I think that their moms would not talk to them in that situation. (laughs) Uh, I I think, uh, when I was talking to Johnny Fox about it, he, he said a brilliant thing, which was, uh, I don't think I need another person to create that connection. Exactly. Exactly. And that is, um, well, I, I'm a big fan of and don't I mean, I don't do this very often. I have uh, this. Uh, I don't know if all your listeners will be familiar with a man named Brother Shadow. Mm. Remarkable, remarkable man who had the ritual of the rock. Yes, I have done the ritual of the rock in in situation that has been amazing. Wild things have, have happened and I will. And I use it as a teaching, as a teaching thing for for people. This is more, you know, this is certainly not a, a profiteering situation for me. I mean, I right. like to be in a place where art meets spirituality meets commerce. That's my trident that I like to get, that I like to carry. Mystery of the week. The mystery of the week this week is a mountain lion that was found in Idaho not long ago, and uh, it had attacked a dog at someone's house, so some uh, licensed hunters went and and, uh, hunted it down. And uh, when they killed the animal and found the carcass, it had a set of teeth growing out of its forehead and whiskers. And so the mystery of the week is the uh, animal with either a... uh, uh, conjoined twin that it absorbed all but the the teeth or a what they call monster tumor that it was growing on its head i don't know why there are tumors that can grow faces but that's a freaky uh, possibility um and uh so they're going to study this thing they don't know exactly why uh, it had this thing growing out of its head uh this is a cnn article that i'm looking at um that explains the situation. But I, I always find it interesting that such small biological abnormalities, such as uh, a mountain lion that has teeth growing out of its forehead, end up being international news, end up being newsworthy <laughs> of this kind of thing. Because I've seen this a, a couple places. Um, oh, my God. This mountain lion has teeth growing out of its head. It's funny to me that in this day and age where we do know that these kinds of things happen, if you go to the Mutter Museum in Pennsylvania, you'll see all sorts of oddities. Um, But it still captivates us. It captivates us to see when something is not as though we wish it to be, when something is different, when something is straying from the normal biologically, naturally. Um, we come up with theories, we create ghost stories, we imagine demons. It's kind of the root of mysteries, these kinds of feelings. But I don't think it'll ever be less powerful. I think it's going to keep the poignancy that it has uh, we, when I saw the picture, I thought, well, it probably was a conjoined twin automatically. I had that thought and that's because I've 
studied these things. I've looked into those things. Um, but I guess a lot of people probably haven't. And so that's still very strange to them. It's probably never going to lose its fascinating ability. So I'm uh, curious uh, if anyone has similar stories of strange animals. I've always liked my, (laughs) one of my favorites is the uh, mythical jackalope, the rabbit with antlers, which someday, someday I'm, I'm imagining there's going to be a rabbit that has antlers that's actually going to exist. Um, but uh, send us a message with a story of your own cryptozoological uh, animal encounters, even if they're not uh, completely crypto, even if they're real things like two-headed turtles. I have a friend who has a live two-headed turtle, frickin' frack, uh, Johnny Fox, actually. Uh, he's on an earlier podcast. Um, if you have any stories of that ilk, Leave us a message, tell us your story, and you might win something. Now back to John Stetson. I met, I, I look at uh, the Hong Kong meetups. Do you know meetups yes. uh, quite often? Just see what's buzzing around because there's some interesting stuff in there. And uh, all of a sudden on the radar in the meetup was firewalking. Really? Like, oh, this is cool. This is new. Where the hell in Hong Kong you can do fire walking? But uh, I immediately sent the woman who was offering fire walking or starting her own fire walking group a message being like, I think we need to meet. I, I want to know what you're doing. And uh, and she immediately said, yes, we need to meet. I want to. We I think we can do something together. And so I met her a couple of days ago. And she also runs a law of attraction uh, group in oh. some form and is planning to do a excursion out to an island and do fire walking on the island and do like a stay overnight thing. It sounds really cool. And I'm uh, probably going to end up working on her on some capacity at creating this experience. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. And I was, as you were talking about that, I'm like, well, the, the, the rock would be perfect for about people who yeah. just who are about to or just fire walked. Well, and, and getting back to what like what Johnny Fox had said, um, yeah. I mean, I agree with Johnny that that uh, you don't need anybody yeah. uh, for this. Uh, if you know, so many of us just need. Well, we want empowerment now, and of course, the whole concept of instant gratification and whatever, but. If we really just take responsibility ourselves in so many areas, you know, mm-hmm. I, I oftentimes in the ladies shows the, my S words come, my self words, I should say, come up, you know, which, uh, self, self-awareness, mm-hmm. which is, uh, is so, is so incredibly important and lacking, uh, self-respect. Mm-hmm. Genuine, real self-respect, uh, self-reliance. Oh, what a good time to visit Emerson and Thoreau right now, based <laughs> yeah. on how screwed up things are in the world. Uh, self-love, and I have to go beyond self-love because self-love, in many cases, is a cliche, yeah. um, and people and people will gloss right over it. But so I follow that with self-embrace, and that is literally just like hugging yourself and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm all right. I'm all right. Hey, look, we're all flawed. It's part of the deal." part of the fun uh you know it's what we talk about enlightenment man you know you, you can't achieve it here and i wouldn't want to 
<laughs> right. You know, I think going towards it is a whole hell of a lot more fun. Um, you know, the pursuit is always more fun. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, and, I, and I just, just as you said that, it dawned on me something that I had never considered really before. And it is that um, artists understand that better. And, and I think if you haven't, if you haven't had a path of art in some way, you may never have tried for perfection. Mm. You may never have tried to be enlightened on a subject. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be music. It could be performance. It could be painting. Anything. 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 And, and gotten to the point where you're like, realize, oh, I am incapable of making the perfect version of this. Even if somebody else would recognize it as the per- perfect version, I will always see the flaws. So it is about that striving towards yes. it because it isn't possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Exactly. It is fun. It is fun. You know, I mean, I, I, like I say, I, I'm have uh, a gift that I, that, that I received uh, somehow. And that's to feel like I'm starting every single day of my life. When I wake up, it's a new day. It's new stuff. I'm one of these weird people who like Mondays. <laughs> right. I oftentimes was asked that, you know, in the early days of the internet, I said, oh, it's Monday and I love it, you know? Yeah. And to me, it's a, it's a, the beginning of a new week just opens up to new possibilities and new situations and my, my, my phone ringing with whatever idea, concept, possibility, challenge, whatever. Um, you know, it's like the world's waking up. Yeah. On a, on a, on a Monday morning. And I like to look and, and, and I get uh, exhilarated now, probably when I was in school, which I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, I was not <laughs> in love with, I would <laughs> dread Mondays the same way. A lot of people just dread having to get up and go to their jobs on Monday. Sure. So, you know, it's, a. it's, it's an interesting way because it's a, a way of looking at it. Cause I say we're so incredibly wealthy yeah. So much more than "quote unquote" rich people uh, in so many areas and so many places. Um, and again, we don't recognize it the same way we don't recognize the signs in front of us all the time. And uh, they, you know, that was one of the great things about uh, we getting back just to Brother Shadow. He he would talk about uh, signs around us, and he was a great uh, storyteller. And his his ritual of the rock. Once again, it's just uh, – it's a fabulous way for people to uh, internalize and – because I really believe the, the concept, if, if heaven exists, it exists inside of us. I mean it's the way we uh, picture people who are our loved ones or, or even our, our, our pets who are gone. Yeah. Um, where do they live? They live happily and freely in our memory. So if we put ourselves in a – in, in somewhat of a trance state and go back and go down and deep, deep, deep and pull these things up out and, and actually create an experience in our own mind. See, I'm taking Brother Shadow's st- thing one step beyond. I believe that energy comes down upon us when we're sending up that beacon and somewhere it meets. And that's where I believe that the spirit energy is coming into us as we push these things out. You know, once again, we have to make an effort. We have to make it happen, but we can make it happen much more than, you know, once again, I appreciate 
that some people go see John Edward and have a sense of closure. You know, it's interesting. I'd be sitting there with a with a uh, a very uh, wonderful man who I know you and I both admire. We were living together in Mexico for a few months, mm-hmm. and we'd be watching Edward. And it's really funny because I'd be going. You know, it'd be like the thought bubbles come up where in my head we go like, huh, (laughs) this is good. And, you know, the thought bubble from him, what a freaking scumbag, Uh (laughs) you know. Um, And uh, but Edward did something once that I thought was really cool. And it was at the end of one of his programs. And I was there. Mm -hmm. And some woman goes to ask him a question. Uh. You know, he kind of opened it to Q&A from the floor for a little bit. I can't remember exactly how, how he segued from one into that, but he did. And uh, this woman was making more of a statement. She goes, yes, uh, my daughter has the gift. Uh-huh. Now, now he could have handled this in a completely different way, but I really admire him for this. He went, right. <laughs> what exactly does she do? Oh, she sees photos of dead people and past past family members and has conversations with them and that, 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 And he goes, okay, uh, how long has this been going on? He goes, oh, since the very beginning. Uh, and how old is she? Uh, she's three. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. Listen, this is what you do. <laughs> you know how you want to, your jaw wants to drop anytime she does one of these things? I want you to put your finger under your jaw. Hold your jaw up to make sure it doesn't drop. And if you need to go into another room and let it go, let it go out of her sight. Yeah. I don't want you in any way, shape, or form to encourage this child. If you need to do something, then you keep a journal. Maybe give it to her when she's 21 years old. Hmm. I thought that was pretty righteous. Um, you know, and uh, made us a little bit of an effort to basically save a kid from uh, being ruined. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and stuff. I thought that was I, I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty keen that he came up with that. Um, so and you see these books, you know, how to be a medium, the rules of mediumship. It's like, yeah. where are the rules? As far as I know, no one's never actually physically come back and said, "Okay, listen, baby, this is how it works." <laughs> so here's the rule you know when you talk about psychic things and you know or intuitive things whatever you want to call it I look at it like this I want a world of free range psychics <laughs> that's just everybody from all walks of life using their, their intuitive ability um, fully and and uh, what did Kipling say in the land of mules there are no rules you know the, <laughs> there aren't rules these people that just want to write these books that are uh, not so yeah. good you know and then you look at the quote unquote psychic world you know I, I subscribe to the theory I know that your other guests have talked about this too it's mm-hmm. you know science metaphysics we're looking at the same thing from two different sides Sure. Two different perspectives. And then we're going to, it'll be explained that way. And, you know, it's uh, eventually one day it'll be, uh, you know, everyone will slap their head and realize we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. And then it will take the Church of Rome another 800 years to acknowledge it. But that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's it's all there. So it's 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 free range, you know. Uh, a lot of these, you know, these classes and these things, like even my ladies only program. Yeah, it's a feel good program. It's an inspirational program. Uh, I also have done, you know, the classic quote unquote motivational type speaking for corporations. It's really yeah. not different. It's 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 not different. It, it's not different. But I love the quote that someone. Uh, it's been attributed to a few different people. So I'm not even going to try, but uh, said that a motivational speech is like taking a shower. No matter how good a one you have today, you're probably going to need another one tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so let it, you know, let it come from inside and, and, and let the let, let the heart sing is, is yeah. my whole thought of the whole deal. It's like, yeah, that's don't, and don't look over your shoulder. What a, what can I control in this world? I can control the patch of green that I stand on. <laughs> That's yeah. about it. So if I tend to that and we know without looking over my fence and seeing what my neighbor's grass looks like, um, things would be pretty good. And if we all kind of sorted out our own stuff before we started looking over the other side of the fence, um, everything would be beautiful. And yeah. it would allow us to accept the mysterious and, and, and things on our own terms. I just think that too many people will have a, a, a spiritual experience, a remarkable experience. That's why the, the, the fool is my favorite card in the tarot deck, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, man, ready to take that step right over the cliff. Just There's prime. He's living in the moment. Exactly. And and it's interesting, too, the, just the phrase, living in the moment. I bring this into uh, corporate situations. I bring it into... Um, you know, of course, the, 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 the ladies only, I say, you know, I would teach weekend intuitive development class and I have. Mm-hmm. So, but, so you want to know about, about being psychic? This is how I'll explain it to them. So how many of you are psychic? And you get one or two people raise their hands. Psychic's an odd word. Um, and then I'll go through the, the ringer, uh, you know, talking about do, you know, the phone ringing and you know, them. Blah, 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 who, yeah. who it is or who it's going to be. Right. Um, you know, but I'll do like a joke about that and then and then go right back to that. But that's real. Or you walk into a room and you get the feeling. Something in this room is terrific. It feels great. I don't know what it is. It's warm. It's it, it, I don't know. I just feel good. Uh, conversely, you walk into a room and you go, oh, bad juju. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but I don't like it. And it turns yep. out that you're correct. Or you meet someone, you go, you know something? <laughs> this guy is not quite right. And it turns out, uh, you know, nine out of ten times, you're right in in the yeah. whole area there. Or do synchronicities or uh, coincidences happen to you on a daily basis? Is there anybody here who does not have those things happen to them? Well, congratulations. You're all psychic. Because that's right. really all it is. And the whole thing is listening. It's listening on a different level. You know, when we're uh, the biggest pro- uh, the problem I think that we have is uh, in the world is uh, that so many of us listen to respond as opposed to listen uh, to uh, understand. Yes. Uh, so much of that uh, is where is where our problems in communication lie. Uh, it's the, you know, we don't listen to process. We listen to respond. And as a result, we miss everything. 
Mm-hmm. Things are happening if we're and so that's where it gets to living in the moment. If you're really truly living in the moment, and I and I almost wish I had a different expression for it because, you know, all you think of are you know Birkenstocks and bongos and dancing around trees and stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, which is cool if that's your thing. I, but, you know, but you probably won't bump into me there. Um, <laughs> Living in the moment, gosh, it is, uh, it's impossible to be depressed, number one. Hey, how cool is that? Depression, projecting backwards, five minutes, five hours, five decades. Stress, yeah. anxiety, projecting forward, five minutes, five hours, five decades. The only time you can really achieve serenity is when you're living in the moment. The cool thing is you're, you're working on all cylinders, so, I mean, your senses are heightened and you're here and you're aware and you're prepared to receive whatever is in front of you. And uh, it's a it's a great, healthy way to to live life. And is it is it hard? A little bit. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't mean you can't be aware and knock yourself back into it very quickly. And uh, these are the kind of as, as simple as that is, that simple messaging is the best, I think. In no matter what it is, yeah. I've been focused on what exactly living in the moment is for a while now. And through hypnosis, I've realized that consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, your conscious nature, your your sort of the model of of your who you would call yourself as being conscious, it can only exist in the moment. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when people are not living in the moment because they actually are when there's no way not to live in the moment. But what they're doing is they're burying the moment in fear. Mm, Bravo. They're there, but they're hiding behind a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, perfect. And if anybody wants to, uh, check that theory out too, watch a quote unquote reality show. Which a aren't even that, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and see that so many people you know base their lives on that like you know like kids. So it's interesting. I heard a thing about children being interviewed, and it's like, what do you want to do when you you grow up? And a, and an interesting answer you get is be on TV. Oh, really? Doing what? Well, just being on TV. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and if you don't laugh, you, if you don't laugh at it, you cry. Uh-huh. Uh, so we can just do our little bit to, uh, I think, live live that way ourselves. Let's be selfish. Let's take care of ourselves first before we take care of other people. Yeah. Oh, there's an interesting thing, you know. Um, hey, you know, on the airplane, put the mask on yourself before you put it on the baby. It only makes sense. Uh, so... You know, that's why I don't really understand vows of poverty and stuff. <laughs> I I understand, you know, living a Zen life and and how I'd like to get rid of so much of the uh, of of the junk and the clutter and the things that I have uh, in my life um, uh, <laughs> on all definitions. Right. And uh, and yeah, it's a it's a process that I'm that I'm going through. It's a daily process. It's and I call it weeding the garden. Same way we have to weed our thoughts every single day, Mm -hmm. because uh, the amount of thoughts I've had this discussion with people. So uh, several, several times, you know, how many thoughts do go through our head over the course of a day and how any one of those thoughts 
can be like a fish hook in a sweater and just do something to totally derail us. And that's just one of potentially thousands of things that go through our head in the course of a day. Yeah. You know, so it's like, what chance do we stand? Um, <laughs> we have to, uh, we have to control it. We have to uh, monitor ourselves and, uh, and realize where we're going. And when I go to step in the same, uh, you know, vortex of, 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 of ickiness that I stepped in the day before, I don't slap myself in the head. Uh, and, uh, I just laugh at it because I go, well, look at me, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, don't beat yourself up for it. You know, it's, 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 it's just all part of this crazy thing. And, uh, the world is a mess right now. So what can we do? Let's take care of our, let's all try to take care of ourselves. I think the world is always a mess. I think you're right. I was being in that place the other day, actually, when I met with this woman who's the fire walker. Yeah. And I was uh, I was reflecting on on uh, wetlands in Florida disappearing and some things my parents were involved with. Mm. I was reflecting on negative stuff, and she kind of brought me right back and said uh, similar thing, but just kind of reminding me, like, yeah, th- there's always got to be a balance, mm. and the Earth is always trying to achieve that balance. It's not getting worse it's just always like this it's kind of like huh, i've been i've been looking at the news too much i think I oh. stop doing that yeah well you know they're the when people are talking about terrorists you know it's it's the it's the ones who we don't realize i mean if you want yeah. to get if you want to get right to the impact of who's terrorizing us um Governments, Madison Avenue, Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, She had an interesting point, though. No matter who we're talking about, they're all in some way trying to make it better. Maybe mm. for themselves, maybe just for themselves. But there's a the point is to Mm. whatever they think better is. They're all trying to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. They're all trying to make something better. Yeah. And, you know, but where, where, um, are we not, are we not seeing the whole concept of people, uh, promoting fear and selling safety? Yeah. Yeah. My deodorant ads, you know, my toothpaste ads, you know, my, (laughs) all these, whatever you, whatever you see on, uh, on television, uh, whatever the, you know, the, 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 the politician is telling you, um, you know, the, the Hollywood, you know, agenda of what we should be watching and, and, and not watching. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's what it is. But, and once again, recognizing it is so, is so important. You know, we, uh, we have this uh, show in Boston that I've been involved in producing for years called Mystery Lounge. And it has uh, magicians and comedians and psychics and sword swallowers and belly dancers. And uh, it's, a, it's a great, great thing. Uh, I kind of we, we sort of refer to it, the little cabal that puts it on as our bowling night. <laughs> well, but it's been going, you know, like I said, it's over well over 20 years now. And it's uh, 
it's exciting. So I was uh, making a, a concerted effort to kind of step back a little bit. And there's a gal there. I think you know her. Her name is Andrea, actually. I think you guys, okay. you're passed across at one point or another. But she's a... Uh, uh, you know, she's like 24 years old or something like this, and she's our now our, our production manager and everything. And um, I'm watching someone on stage one night, and she goes to me. She comes over and, and we have great conversation. She she goes, "You're not loving this guy, are you?" <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Well, because uh, I was really trying to just lessen." Control, you know, I don't want to be as hands on with things. I wanted to be able to enjoy it and, you know, kind of an exercise for me. But anyway, I go, "Ah, no, I'm trying, I'm trying very much. I don't, I don't like what he's doing, but I'm trying very hard to love him. I said, but I'm not loving what he's doing or something like that. And she goes, Oh, look, can I tell you something you tell me all the time? I said, Sure. She goes, Stop beating yourself up. The guy's a douchebag. (laughs) And I'm going, Okay. Well, so I, I go, okay, yeah, Andrew, you have to help me here. I'm like 30 years older than you are. Uh, what exactly is a douchebag? And I thought I was going to you know, have her dancing a little bit. She mm-hmm. looks at me without, without a, a, you know, just batting an eye and going, someone with zero self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> and I go, wow, I fully understand that concept now. I said, I don't think it's the term I'm going to use all the time, uh, no. <laughs> but I go, okay, I get it. And it was very funny because we're directly across the street from Harvard University, mm-hmm. and uh, it does not take a psychic to realize, you know, which kids walk in there are from Harvard. <laughs> right. <laughs> so by 11 o'clock at night, I was just bragging on Andrea to, to a couple of the other guys. I said, I love that when Andrea set me straight on something. I think it's so cool, and I learned something great tonight. And these three Harvard students, uh, you know, 11.30 at night, they're walking up the stairs wearing sunglasses. <laughs> and I look at the guys, the guys look at me, and I just simply said, because the sun never sets in Doucheville. It's true. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the sun never sets in Doucheville. And, you know, all these people who are just are not just self-aware. Um, I think that uh, Walmart is a is a – Ancient uh, term, Sanskrit, actually, I think, for uh, zero self-awareness. Yeah. It works for me. (laughs) It works for me, and goodness knows it has to work for me before I can make it work for anyone else. So, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's the way it has to be. Part of me, I think, uh, part of me, though we talk about living in the moment, Part of what makes me warm and fuzzy is is the past, in the sense mm-hmm. where not necessarily my personal past, but I love uh, studying and 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 essay on and and everything of of old show business, yeah. uh, old show business, uh, old baseball, uh, yeah. just uh, the history of a great city like like New York. Um, I, I can look at these pictures of, of New York from 1915 and just, and disappear in them. Uh, yeah. I, I love that. And I think part of that, it comes from the fact possibly that I was primarily raised by my grandparents and those yeah, okay. of us, those of us who were, especially, you know, back, uh, there's a tendency, we had something, a tendency to do something. I'm trying to remember what the word is. Oh, I remember behave. Um, because, <laughs> 
not because we were fearing, you know, the wrath of our grandparents. It was uh, fearing disappointing them. Yeah, because they had a different. They just had a different way, and they've had more, more life experience. Uh, the same way, I'll just uh, sidebar here for a second and say that one of the reasons I was discouraged from doing uh, from from performing as a mentalist or being a mentalist is because everybody for many many years said I was too young, right? And I didn't fully realize what they were talking about is is that you need uh, uh, such a degree of life experience. Yeah. And these things really can't be you can't learn that all in 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 books. Uh it can't it, it's not book learning. Um so as well so I was with my grandparents but the point is this their friends were older obviously. So mm-hmm. I got to be very comfortable around older generations. And um and loved it. And part of, you know, when you get to be a certain age, you know, you do focus on the past and, and memories and, and histories and and whatnot. So I became very interested in uh, world history, American history. And the majority of my uh, my true learning, it, it was being self-taught yeah. or or seeking out individual teachers. I went and looked for uh, different people I knew who could uh, would know how to do a certain thing, um, a little thing I want to learn. And I've uh, I had uh, doors slammed in my face, and I would mm-hmm. come back, and I'd come back again. Um, and and uh, you know, people with the suspicions as to why I wanted to be there and and whatnot. The only the only sad part about getting older for me is that these people oh, I can't find them as readily because they're all gone <laughs> right uh, so uh, these were always my main my main fields of interest um, as I as I got older and experienced the uh, the uh, joy of, of living with uh, t- dogs, I was not allowed to have one as a child, but uh, dog first came into my life when I was about 28 years old. Uh, the, the animals teach me so much. I mean, I said with with dogs, gosh, all all I do is suggest where they pee. They spend the rest <laughs> of their lives teaching me lessons. And uh, you know, if I had, I've had four fabulous teachers. <laughs> in that regard. So, you know, the animals are a great interest to me, as I mentioned, the the baseball, especially the old time stuff, old, old theater, old show business, just um, just old, old history and, and, and why things happened and understanding uh, new great things like Malcolm Gladwell's books. I love Blink and The Tipping Point is a fascinating mm-hmm. book to read because I take The Tipping Point and I put it into all sorts of old historical things that I've that I've studied, um, right. uh, and and you see how things go and how uh, times change and trends, and a lot of that has to do with uh, with social media today. Yeah, it's amazing, and I don't know sometimes if it's just that I'm getting older, or it's the perspective that's created through our digital world. Um, it seems that more and more recent things are being thought of as a long time ago than ever mm. were. Mm. So like five years ago is now thought of as a long time ago. Right? I don't feel like 
that used to be the case. Yeah, it's so topsy-turvy. I mean, we had my grandfather, you know, for a hundred years. Yeah. And I was thinking about what a remarkable, when I was doing his eulogy, what a remarkable lifespan he had had lived and and the uh, the changes the inventions the you know the the in medicine and everything just the, the the world in general how much and you look back now you know 5 10 years and you go wow we've advanced quote unquote advanced um <laughs> so so much and come so far and um you know with it comes the good the bad and the ugly you know the ubiquity devices the things that uh, i'm speaking to you on a cell phone right now so i, right. I was speaking to uh, mark salem about this one day we're saying about remarkable things and amazing things and he goes yeah i'll tell you the most amazing thing is my cell phone i have no idea how it works and i can push a button and talk to tokyo yeah. Uh, uh, ah, you know. <laughs> or 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 use it as a video camera, a calculator, uh, a camera. You can make an make a drawing on it. You can play a game on it. There's it's ridiculous how much well, stuff. Well, uh, you've on seen some of these thing. photos, I'm sure, of they're saying these are all the devices that you needed to do what's in your right, phone, exactly. Kind of thing, and it's uh, it's remarkable. Now that being said, it's like okay. This is the world in which we now live. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to be, um, you know, just scream of nostalgia and stuff here. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll go, you know, it's, the, it's their world now. It's not my world anymore. Um, for example, I was looking years ago to write uh, a, a, a line, a joke, whatever you want to call it, for – cell phone going off because we can remember when a cell phone went off in a room it at one point was like a huge i know i know the joke you're talking about yeah. and it's my it's my favorite joke for that <laughs> it's a long t- you know and so it took me a while to come up with this thing sure and then when i did i was extremely proud of it uh, because it didn't, you know, make me look like I was a big guy yelling at them. It was bringing out a situation, and uh, I don't have no qualms about saying what it is. The line basically is like, um, phone rings, and I go, oh, "No, no, 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 it's okay. I'm, I'm sure he's waiting for a kidney." Right? Because I couldn't think of any other reason your phone would be on right now. And so, <laughs> anyway, I would draw different things. You know, I've it's grown in different ways sometimes, and I'll have a little extra, you know place to go if if it's necessary but i just thought it was kind of it's good it was effective it was kind of sweet it didn't look like i was being mean um i loved it and as time goes on now certain places it's not as effective to the point where i was doing a ladies only one night and then some woman got up and started screaming at me that i would criticize someone for having their phone on it was wild and then you know it was uh, so i ended up getting the room right you know getting the room back but it was like holy crow i mean that's i said i'm gonna really figure this out so the only place that really really works great now is in a, a meeting like a corporate meeting situation where they tell people to keep their phones off right so they so that it won't it won't interfere. Um, if you know I'm doing it some way, so I have to tread really lightly. Because it's also hard to 
to, you know, get upset when you're looking at someone watching your, your program and they're texting and you want to like, you know, hit them over the head with something. And then you see what they're texting is, wow, this is really great. I'm having fun with this guy. This is terrific. Sure. Uh, yep. Okay. So, um, I had to stop a guy taking photos and, and, and then writing during the show. And because he was, he was throwing off all my timing Yeah, and it was for a small group. And I was like, listen, just, just we can do photo op at the end. It's yeah. fine. You don't need this in the, the, the blow by blow doesn't have to go. Just, just turn it off, you know? Yeah. 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 And he was, and he was incensed and he was like, I, I, I was tweeting about how great this is. It was the same thing, but yeah. I was like, well, I really do appreciate it, but you're throwing me off, man. You just stop. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, um, also, just hearing about the new, the new Broadway show that everybody wants to see, Hamilton. Yeah. Um, they talk about yeah. It's interesting because celebrities getting bumped for tickets for other celebrities. I've been hearing a lot about, which is kind of funny actually. When it you, is funny when you hear about it. But they'll say Madonna's there and she's texting the entire time. Wow. And you know, of course, you know, and being all of the time we just spent in New York, but it's not certainly not just a New York thing, but you know, it's respect for the theater. It's, you know, it's people going to the theater in flip flops and short pants and, <laughs> and things. It's like, well, you know, I like to have a little respect for the artist. And, you know, I mean, I, gosh, we wouldn't in years ago, you know, we wouldn't dream of, uh, of flying without, you know, having a, a jacket and maybe a jacket and tie, or something, yeah. and, and now these people are, are like naked, rolling all over the seas. I don't know what this has to do with the mysterious. This is just kind of the obvious, but I think it all <laughs> boils. Uh, it, I, I think it's all connected. I think so. I agree. It's all connected somehow, and uh, yeah, it's uh, that's why we just have to, you know, we have to laugh at that. You know, I saw a picture last night. Someone said, I can't remember who the modern day example was, but it was a, a young person, uh, maybe with several tattoos with his mouth wide open and eyes all bugged out and some piercing. And then it had Cary Grant on the other side and it said, men, what happened? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we just have to be self-aware of this world and, and that's why we like to be, you know, don't talk about being a skeptic, you know, seekers of proof and truth. And I think we, you know, in that case, then, yeah, I'm a skeptic. We all are seekers sure. of proof and truth. Uh, but what I do mind getting back to what we spoke of before are cynics who masquerade as skeptics. Yeah. Because they just are, they just totally piss me off. <laughs> that is, that's a repeated theme on my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, and, and that's what it is. So I'm like, Okay, uh, the whole world, the whole, you know, uh, just what we can see is a mystery. Never mind what we can see. Yeah. You know, all these things that we're talking about are like, wow, how, you know, culturally we evolved and things and, you know, tipping points. And I think it's just a question of understanding that uh, that uh, it's, a, it's a crazy, you know, wacky world that we live in. Um so I, I'm finding the the mysterious to be uh, more of a comfort to me. 
than than you, something I fear, or you know, you would fear to step into the the dark place, the dark room, rather, you know, or you know, contacting with spirits or or just energies, and um, you know, being part of, a, of of interesting ritual uh, that has been yeah. that is centuries old. These things are are, are wonderful. Experiencing yeah. the mysterious is just uh, is really what it's all about. Um, yeah. you know, and to me, once again, it's, it's comfort the same way, you know, I can disappear in that photo from 1915. Yeah. I, I find, I find comfort in going to these different places and, uh, and I love it. And that's but, the reason I think meditation is such a wonderful thing. Let me ask you this. When you were in elementary school. Yes. And they wanted to show you a film. Mm-hmm. Could they do that? Yes. And do they bring out a 16 millimeter projector and put the film strip on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And turn on. (laughs) That's an old phone. Uh, Yeah. It's the past calling. It's 1915. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, did they make copies when you were in elementary school? Could they do that in any way? Um, well, the, I, I have fond memories and of the Ditto machine, yes, the, the, mimeograph- the Ditto, the mimeograph, and the way it yeah. smelled. Oh, it smelled fantastic! I love that smell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I that was the same, and 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 uh, we're from different generations. Mm-hmm. And when I was in elementary school, we also had the mimeograph, Ditto machine, that made the blue stuff that got on your fingers, yeah. and film strips, mm-hmm. and then. When I sixth grade, they started wheeling in the big video TV, right? With uh, occasionally even with the laser disc players, uh. and the progression since then has just been ridiculous. Yeah, you know, like, uh, yeah. Like I was talking to my father about this the other day over over FaceTime on my iPad. Just being like, what the hell? I mean, what is the going to be the experience of my son? Mm. Okay, here we are. And he loved, you know, I have to hide my phone and iPad from him because he's just too fascinated by this glowing object that we all seemed to, totally enamored with. What's the next thing? I mean, I have, there's no, absolutely, I have no idea how, where it's going to go. I mean, it is, it is a mystery that my iPad is a mystery. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to me, it's uh, it's cool because it's kind of like spectator sport. It's uh, <laughs> so yeah. far out of my out of my uh, comprehension that uh, I much rather take it as yeah, it's science, but I also look at it as a miracle. Well, also the existence of these things in the world give a greater value to what we do because mm. what we do is is we we are able to read people and we understand actual people. Yes. And, and we have skills that are very hard to come by now. You know, I, I've been home this, uh, at my, my hermitage here the, for uh, the Thanksgiving weekend. Mm-hmm. And it's been nice because I mean, I travel, you know, well, like, oh, like two, I can't figure it out. 250, 60 days a year. You know, I'm, I, it's hard to hit a moving target. So I, I challenge people to feel my ubiquity. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was 
I was home and uh, Saturday night I went to a movie and uh, I stopped at a supermarket because the best time to go to a supermarket is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Nobody is there. Right. And I saw a, uh, you know, a Salvation Army, the bell ringing outside and someone says hello to me. And it turns out it's someone who I, I had no really known all my life, um, a contemporary of, of my dad's. Um, I've uh, chosen to keep a home here in uh, in the town where I grew up, uh, even mm-hmm. if I, once again, I don't know practically anybody here because <laughs> right. I'm never here. But uh, I see him. And he is, uh, you know, with the the Masonic group, and I happen to be mm-hmm. a Mason myself. Um, and he's ringing the bell for the Salvation Army, and his grandson is there with him. And uh, and it was so nice to have a talk, just a nice, pleasant talk with him. But then I see the grandson, and I see the influence. Uh, the grandson was, uh, you know, grandson. I'm going to say about fourteen, fifteen. You know, yep. very interesting age. He he shook my hand and, you know, forgive me for uh, probably saying something I should say. He shook my hand like a man. <laughs> he looked into my eye. He understood the concept of a handshake. Um, yep. He took part in the, in the conversation, but in a very respectful way. I mean, he was he was, you know, he appreciated elders. Yeah. He appreciated the tribal elders. Yep. Um. And you know that kind of boiled back even to what I said about finding these mentors and teachers and 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 whomever uh, for through all my life, and it was a great moment. But I'm looking at this young man who had some basic tools, and the basic tool of being able to look someone in the eye, shake their hand, and speak with them, and how and how yeah. that is the exception rather than the rule, and yeah. and so that is you know basic rules of of human contact, so. Once again, the value on the things that we do, um, wow, you know, we have some, we have some skills that are, uh, I don't know if we're saying on the endangered list or, 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 or what, but, and it, and it boils down to the, the process of listening to respond rather than listening to process. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all rather simple. <laughs> when you get right down to it, uh, as I said, though, that whole concept of, you know, being, quote unquote, psychic or intuitive or whatever we're going to call it today, <laughs> those simple rules, it's not much more complicated than that. And we're yeah. just so quick to overcomplicate everything or this need to put our stamp on it or our name on it. No, we're just possessing these things for a certain time. The same way you possess a, 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 a family heirloom, a, a, a watch, or in, in my case, a pendulum that's been passed down. Uh, <laughs> I know that I'm just going to be a keeper of this thing for a certain amount of time. And uh, I used to be a lot uh, a lot more guarded with with my knowledge, um, or what or what or I should say, what I know, <laughs> uh, or or the concept of secrets. Um, I'm a, I'm a tad more forthcoming now. If someone is is sincere and they uh, they want to learn, but at the same time, I put a value on information and knowledge and and the respect. And I believe that that like this this young man. Um, 
uh, who I encountered yesterday, you know, it's like, wow, this kid's, this kid's got all the tools and, and that comes from the time with the grandfather and his dad, who's another solid citizen, a good guy. And, you know, sometimes you'll say, well, you know, I didn't have that or I didn't have that. Well, a lot of people didn't, this isn't a new thing. Uh, right. You know, the new thing is just people not being accountable f- uh, for their actions as much as they were in the past. Um, I knew people in the in in the, uh, the the gambling, the illegal gambling world, um, both <laughs> of the high higher echelons, but of the basic mom and pop running the numbers operation, and um, you'd see these guys. You know, when they're with their pay envelopes, the only people who use pay envelopes now are guys who do mentalism. Um, <laughs> they would have their thirty-two dollars and seventy-five cents week salary inside there, and if they were coming by and going to go into their saloon and have a, a glass of beer for a nickel, um, you bet they were paying their bookie their fifteen cents. Yeah. The point point is nowadays. If if you were to open a a quote unquote book and gambling thing, it's insane because nobody will pay. And my theory on that is basically what our grandparents used to call window shopping, we call Visa. And the concept is this. It's shopping for stuff we can't afford. The only difference is we take it home with us. And now that we take it home with us, even the stuff doesn't mean anything. If you want to talk about a materialistic society, now the stuff doesn't mean anything to people. (laughs) So we are we're spiritually uh, bankrupt. And, you know, because of this, every family, you know, so many American families are spending well beyond their means. They need three and a half income to even, you know, to make their nut every month. There's no such thing as quality time or family time. And people will bail on a situation at the drop of a hat. Oh, that's true. I, I, you know, I had a, I had a little, uh, uh, financial thing happen to me, um, and it was all associated with the uh, with the name Madoff, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I had so many people. I had so many righteous, solid people saying to me, "We'll file for bankruptcy." Right, and I'm like, "No, that's." Uh, I go, my grandfather couldn't accept that, and that's the one thing I can't do. I've got to, I've got to pay everybody I owe money to. It's as simple as that. And, you know, so, you know, karmatically, I have to pay to everybody. <laughs> I have to do this. I have to, right. you know, I mean, these are, these are, are just basic human, you know, obligations and people are, are running out and, and looking, you know, for escapism, uh, without any, uh, accountability. So, and, and, and in tough times. As, as you well know, history tells us that's when the psychic business was thriving. Yeah. When, true. when times were, when times were bad. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, this isn't necessarily new. We, you know, we've been building towards this place that we're this, this crazy place that we are now, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not all hard to figure out. Yeah. So if you can't, you know, if if we're self-aware and we figure it out, then we can just, then we can just go on our journey. And because uh, it is, it's, it's wonderful. No matter how bad things are in this world, this is the coolest place to be. 
I want to <laughs> stick around for as long as I possibly can because I just find it so interesting. So many things come up and we learn, you know, things that we learn and and, and lessons that history teaches us. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is a this is a cool place to be. As I'm looking at my office, I'm surrounded by old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> pictures of, of, of great influences and, uh, and, uh, you know, some great memories on the way, but I'm, I'm open. I want to accept the new, the new challenges. I want to accept the fact that it's not necessarily quote unquote, my world that I live in anymore. Um, I want to assimilate to it. I want to be able to, uh, continue on. I want to, I want to grow, but in the case, but growing did not necessarily mean chasing the next shiny balloon that floats by. Yes, I'm, I'm into learning stuff, but um, my friend, my dear friend Mike Bent says something, and I, and I think this is true for me. Um, suffering from, uh, <laughs> not suffering, but this in a condition here where I have ADD and OCD, which means I want to wash my hands thirty times a day, but I lose interest after the third time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's more common than not. And even when I look at things, that, you know, my, my fields of interest, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm open to learning about things, but I want to just keep everything that I have and just make it, make it better. You know, I love, uh, my great friend, Joel Bauer is like that too. You know, you figure he would, he is, he takes things, he sorts, he sifts uh, through information and, you know, he'll read the book and then the book is gone it belong, and it's in a place where that, where someone else needs it or should have it kind of thing. Right. Uh, very, you know, very healthy and people mock and mock him and, and whatnot. But I always say, Hey, we mock and fear what we don't understand. And, uh, you know, that's true. We all have the, we're all, you know, we all have, you know, self-esteem issues and, and whatnot that, uh, you know, it's just so much easier to point at someone else than to look at ourselves. Yep. And that's where it begins and ends, my friend. That is where it begins and ends. You'll see what I did there. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So you feel good about uh, about this? I, I, if you do, yeah, man, I feel great. Yeah, I'm happy to do it and happy to contribute anyway, anytime, whatever you need. say thanks again to john stetson for joining us for this interview and also thanks to all of the guests that we've had so far i look forward to a prosperous and eventful 2016 um i will be hopefully doing one more podcast for uh january and then i will be traveling uh in the beginning of february um so i'll try to get some recordings while i'm out in the united states and uh so you guys can look forward to that if you want more information to follow us uh look for um mysterious world podcast on all sorts of different 
social media. So Mysterious World on Facebook. You can also go to MysteriousWorldPodcast.com and uh, respond to things and find things on that. Um, you can email us at MysteriousWorld at gmail.com. And uh, if you want more info on John Stetson and to follow his world, uh, he is on Facebook. And as well, you can go to, uh, I think, Stetson Master Mentalist, S-T-E-T-S-O-N MasterMentalist.com. And I think also you link to that by putting in JohnStetson.com, J-O-N-S-T-E-T-S-O-N.com. Have a wonderful January and uh, thanks again for listening to our show. I'm Stuart Palm signing off. See their targets, divine symmetry. Should I kiss the viper's fang, or herald loud the death of man? I'm sinking in the quicksand of my thought. And I ain't got the power anymore. Don't believe in yourself Don't deceive with belief Knowledge comes with death's release Oh